So we are in this uh, series on First Peter. If you've been with us some or haven't been with us at all, I want to just catch us up on some context and, and catch us up to where we're going to be today. Because we're going to be in First Peter chapter 4. And, and up to this point, we've preached on chapters 1 and 2, but then Devontae finished last week with chapter 2, verse 10. We're intentionally not hitting every single thing, but I'm going to catch us up in context a little bit. Um, so first of all, Peter is talking to a group of believers. First, they're Gentile believers, so they're not Jewish by birth. They've kind of come into the Christian faith along the way, even though they weren't born Jewish, and they've decided to follow Jesus. And now these people are scattered all over what we call Turkey nowadays. They called it Asia Minor. And, and Peter is writing to this scattered group of believers who are outsiders. They're not the majority where they live. They are, you know, there's, they're probably gathered in little pockets in different cities, but they are not the majority culture or the majority religion. They're living in um, the Roman Empire at that time, and they are beginning to face some persecution for what they believe. So up to this point, Peter has spoken a message of like really heavy identity. Like he's like if you've paid attention to the sermons, it's been here is who you are. This is your identity in Christ. So he addresses them in one of these um, images that I love, um, it, like as a sojourner or an exile or a foreigner. He's like, you guys don't belong. It, it, I know it feels like you don't belong because you don't belong. Like your citizenship is in heaven. This world is not your home. You're looking for another, another world. Steve talked about the salvation that Jesus has given us and the hope that we have because of that and that being our identity. Kiara talked about that we are a holy people because we've been touched by Jesus and Jesus has made us holy and that's who we are. And then Devante again talked about how we are a chosen priesthood. Like th this is all messages from Peter about identity. Here is who you are. You're priests. You're a holy people, a peculiar people even. Um, Devante mentioned, I love that word. So we've heard some great messages and seen what Peter is hammering home up to this point on identity. And then after, after that, in the rest of chapter 2 and on to chapter 3, he starts giving some family rules. And he says, because of your identity, here's how you live. And I love the way Peter approaches this because he's not just saying, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. He's, saying, he's calling them up into their identity. I had, a, um, I had a Bible teacher. I went to Christian school. This was my senior year. And I lived in Atlanta, and my Bible teacher, all I can remember him saying, the only thing, and he said it over and over, just do right. Just do right. Just do right. Now, if you don't speak Southern, that is just do right. Okay? So, translation. Um, but that's all, he, he said it all the time. But the problem was, it was all about the do's and don'ts and not addressing anything beyond, like, the surface. It was just, just make the right choices. But... But the problem and what we're going to see is the issues are on the inside and it's what's inside that matters that flows out. So Peter gives them identity. He gives them the family rules based on their identity. And then he's telling them here in, in the rest of chapter 3 um, that there might be suffering. Okay, So because you're choosing to live this way, here's what, excuse me, here's what might happen. Um, 
And uh, he tells them, he tells them, you know, a, a few things about this suffering. He says, first of all, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Okay, so that's, that, that's a clear one. Like, hey, if you're going to suffer at all, suffer for doing good. There's a verse in, in Proverbs that gets said a lot in our family, um, sometimes in kind of comical, funny ways, and sometimes not. Um, I think Elfua happened upon this a few years ago, and it's Proverbs 13, 15. It says, the way of the transgressor is hard. Okay, transgressor is, you know, like an old school language for like sinner or, you know, somebody who's choosing to do the wrong thing. But this gets said to our kids a lot. The way of the transgressor is hard. Um, It gets said when we're watching TV and the bad guy, you know, like gets caught up in a bunch of crap and and his life, you know, sucks or, you know, whatever. It's like, well, see, kids, the way of the transgressor, it's hard. It's not easy. So, so first of all, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Um, second, you're in good company because Jesus uh, suffered first. And Peter over and over is pointing back to the suffering of Jesus and helping these people realize, hey, I'm not alone in this. Like, this is the model that we have. Jesus said, like, the world hated me, so it's also going to hate you. So, you know, you're going to suffer as well. And then lastly, that it's in the crucible of suffering that sanctification happens a lot of times. It's not only that, but I, but, and I'm going to unpack that because that's like, those are some bigger words. But it's exactly what we were singing about, like the refiner. Um, it's purified by fire. Um, and, and so I don't want to break it down just yet, um, but I want to get into the passage together with you. So turn with me to first. Peter 4 on your device or in your Bible or on the screen. It'll be up there too. Um, And I want to read. So we're going to break the passage up. And honestly, I'm going to do more justice to the beginning of the passage than the end of the passage. I just heard Jesus saying, like, focus in on that. Keep it simple. You want to go back and study some of the second half? I would love for you to do that. Um, But there was just so much here, and I couldn't cover it all. And honestly, a lot of the commentaries break this up into two different passages. I do think they're connected, though. So um, I want to read verses 1 through 6 to begin. Our full passage is verses 1 through 11, but let's read verses 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. So that's the end of verse 6, so we're going to stop there, even though it's the middle of the slide. Um, but I want to go back to the first slide with First Peter um, 4, 1 and 2, if we could, because I don't know if it jumped out to you. I heard some collective like, hmm, like when we read it. But what jumped out to me when I first read this passage was that, that phrase, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And I was like, what? 
What does that mean? Like, I, I don't believe that, I, you know, there are some believers who think that we can reach, like, perfection here on earth. I, I don't believe that. I think, you know, we have this sin nature. We're going to keep sinning. So I don't think this means that we will no longer sin somewhere in our life. Um, but I do think verse 2 helps us understand what this means. So um, <clears throat> read it again with me. There are, or, yeah, why don't we read it together? Read it with me it's from the top. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. That's really good. I used to have a friend who was a pastor, and he would make people repeat after him every once in a while just to make sure you're awake, okay? So, um, so I think verse 2 is helping us understand. If you go back, sorry, I didn't move on. If you go back, to, yep. So I think verse 2 is helping us understand. It doesn't mean that we're not going to sin anymore, but it does mean that we have made up our mind to have the same attitude as Christ and to prioritize the will of God over the desires of our flesh. So that's, that's what I think is happening. And, and this is brought about through this crucible of suffering. So I, I had that statement earlier that I want to break down now. So I said, I said something like, um, it's in the crucible of suffering that sanctification happens. So first of all, what is sanctification? If that's a big word and you're not sure about it, it's really a simple definition. Sanctification is just the process of becoming more like Jesus. There's actually a slide up there um, that mentions that. But it's the process of becoming more like Jesus. So we, are, we get saved and we decide to follow Jesus and then the rest of our lives is this process of sanctification. We never get there fully, but it's this journey of becoming to live more like Jesus. And, and where I think this ties into previous messages from, like, uh, from, from First Peter is that Devontae mentioned a lot last week about living into our identity. Okay, so it's like, here's who we are. Can we live into this identity? Now, I want to break this down. Theologians talk about this process being both positional and practical, okay? So very simply, when we come to know Jesus, Jesus touches us, as Kiara pointed out, when he touched the woman with the issue of blood, and when he touched Jairus' daughter, he made them whole. He cleansed them. They were clean. They were alive. And when Jesus touches us, we are found in him, and all the holiness of Jesus is, is we, we inherit from Jesus. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus, okay? So that's how he can say to us, we're his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. Because he sees Jesus, we are found positionally in Jesus. But there's this issue of living into that truth. That forever in our life, we will, we will work out that salvation, by choosing to follow Jesus over and over again and having the Spirit refine us so that we are actually living holy lives. So we are holy because God is holy, but then we, we, we continue to work that salvation out by making holy choices and the Holy Spirit working in us to make us holy. Okay, so it, I hope that makes sense. Now, the crucible we sang about purified by fire. A crucible is actually something that they melt metal with 
to turn it into something else. But it also can mean a severe trial or test. So what Peter is saying is, look, Jesus suffered. You may be on the very, very well may already have experienced some of that or are on your way to suffering. And it's in this suffering, in this test, that these, these choices of who you're going to follow really happen. And are you in? And are you following Jesus? And is he at the center? It's in this place. Now, we all come into this place, I'm sure, in a different areas as it relates to suffering. Some of us have probably experienced real suffering. Um, some of us uh, have probably experienced suffering because we've decided to follow Jesus. Like these Gentile believers, we've decided to follow Jesus, so we left everything in the past, and so now we feel like we're on the outside of those people we used to run with, and maybe we face ridicule or just marginal marginalization. Some of, some of us maybe have experienced suffering in other forms, where you've entered into the suffering of others, and the suffering that, that this life brings because our lives are broken and, and we don't really experience um, heaven on earth all the time. We experience like really difficult things. And so whatever, to the, to the degree of whatever suffering you have, here's what I think is happening. It's like that, it's like an athlete who is in a tournament or in a game or in a sport and they face adversity for the first time. Or, you know, they face a new level of adversity that they've never felt. And they have the choice to throw in the towel or to really, like, get after it and say, I am, like, I have worked for this and I am going for this. It's at this point that Peter is talking to these people. And, and I hear him, you know, like, thinking about these believers and saying, look, things are coming. And you're going to be like that athlete who has the choice of saying, like, am I sitting on the fence? Am I going to throw in the towel? Or am I going to go all in after Jesus and live into this identity that he's giving me? So... Um, look again at verse, um, at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, I love this phrase, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. I love the word that they use that, they, that Peter says, arm yourselves, because this is a battle. We are engaged in a war um, between dark and light, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell. And so he's saying, you have a choice here. You are very likely going to enter into suffering. And you need to arm yourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had. If you look back earlier in chapter 3, that attitude, I, I, I feel like in, verse, in uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it's not on the screen, but it said, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. I feel like that was the attitude that we arm ourselves with, that we get to bring people to God. So first, we arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus. Other, pass other translations say the same purpose. We have the same purpose. And we choose to be ready for suffering. And then finally, verse 2 spells it out. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So we choose Jesus over our own desires. So this is what Peter is trying to seed into these people. He goes a lot deeper than just than my Bible teacher did, right? He goes a lot deeper than just saying, do right, do the right thing, make the right choices. He's going past like the surface and talking about the talking to us on the level of our attitudes and our desires, these foundational things 
um, that are deep within us because that's where our actions flow out of. Um, I have a, a larger par- a quote on the screen um, up there. I think I paraphrased this from one of the commentaries that I was reading. But it says this, Much of our sin comes from a place of wanting to avoid pain and seek our own pleasure. If we make the decision that Jesus is better than the avoidance of pain and our own pleasures, then we have moved from death to life, from sin in the flesh to living out the will of God as a priority in our lives. I think this is what Peter is getting at in this passage. This this decision to, to choose that Jesus is better than just our own comfort and our own satisfaction. That, we, that then, that's the point at which this makes sense, that he who has suffered in his body is done with sin, because you're choosing suffering. You're choosing, I, whatever Jesus says, I will do it. No matter what comes my way, I choose Jesus over all this other stuff. And not that you're going to be perfect, but that life is going to be completely different. You've moved from death to life. Um, and, and I hear in it, Something that maybe Peter was thinking of it, uh, thinking of at this point. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 24. If any man, whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So what I think is going on here, to put like some flesh and bones on this, okay? So like Daddy Peter, like father of the church, you know, like on this rock, I'll build my church. He feels responsible for all these believers scattered about. Um, and he is writing this letter, okay? He's writing this whole letter. We read these things in short snippets, but he's writing this whole letter to bring the family together who are scattered abroad. He's hammering home their true identity. He's telling them how to behave because of who they are. And he's warning them that it's going to get harder. And I bet you Peter is like, has some actual names in mind, you know? Like Peter is thinking of some people, okay? So forgive me for my cheesy humor, but he's thinking of like Frank from Pontus and um, Cindy from Galatia and that guy with a crazy story from Cappadocia whose name he can never remember, okay? So he's thinking of these people, just like you and I think of some of the people we know who we want to follow Jesus, and he's worried about them because he knows they're on the fence, and he knows that persecution may be coming, and he, wa- he wants them with all his heart to choose Jesus over their own pleasure, and it's at this point that I feel like in this process, what, what we, in worship today, I feel like it set us up perfectly this morning. Because it's at this point that there's this interesting interaction and activity in the process of sanctification with the Holy Spirit. And let me explain. We say yes to Jesus and choose Jesus, but we do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like not our choice. (laughs) You know, it's like the Spirit gives it to us and makes it our choice, but we need the Spirit's power to make it our choice. It's like uh, the Father who prayed. The best example I, I can give of this, it's like the Father who wanted Jesus to heal his son, and he prayed, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's like... Yeah, I believe you, Jesus, but I need your help (laughs) believing in you, Jesus. Um, It's like, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I need your help to follow you, Jesus. You know, and Peter knows this like super well because Peter went from like 
believing, you know, like, you know, following Jesus for all this time, and then he denied Jesus, like, and cursed him at, you know, like, when he got arrested, and then, so he's, like, completely failing, um, and then, uh, when, when the trial comes, and then, when the Holy Spirit comes, you see Peter's life transformed because the Holy Spirit comes on him and gives him the ability to choose Jesus. So Peter is thinking of these believers and he is praying for them and he is, and he is asking that they would choose Jesus over these things, but he knows that they need the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's, it's you know, I was just having a conversation the other day with a couple of our missional community leaders. And it was like, it was this kind of substance. It was like they were seeing the Holy Spirit break through in people's lives that they had prayed for and changing their desires, changing their purposes, and giving them the hunger to choose Jesus, giving them the hunger to be in the Word, giving them the hunger to follow after God. And it wasn't like something that, like, it wasn't like all this teaching just made it happen. It was like the Holy Spirit had done something in their lives. And that, that is the process of sanctification. So we've already got a, a slide up there, but this is where I want to go. So this is like, if I had, this is super foundational as it relates to sanctification, but I want to go through what I would say is like, this is the playbook for sanctification. It doesn't always go as planned or how you draw it up, but this is the playbook. So first... Oh, did I? Let's go back one um, to, yeah, okay. So first, we believe in Jesus and decide to follow him, okay? That's, that's our first step, you know? We're, we're deciding to follow Jesus, repenting of our sins, we're saved, and we're following him. So then we start to learn the truth of who we are and our identity. This is what Peter is building into this people, like, hey, you're following Jesus, here's who you are. This is your true identity. Learn who you are. And then, and then comes the Spirit who gives us the desire to choose Jesus over everything else. And God shows us these places in our lives that don't match up with our identity. Okay, so I have some examples of that. So the next slide. So, you know, maybe some of these are we're looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in other things. We're looking to people to give us the things that we need. We're looking to our work to give us like a sense of accomplishment or who we are. And so we, we were forgetting that the truth is, hey, we have Jesus. We have everything we need. He is our satisfaction. So God is showing us these things. Maybe we're living to impress the people around us, okay? So, you know, like it could be my goal with this sermon to make you think I know what I'm talking about. To make you, to impress you, to, to make you think well of me by preaching this sermon and talking about the Bible. That would be look, living to impress the people around me. But Jesus says, why? Like you already have, like <laughs> I already love you. <laughs> like I'm your, I, 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 you don't have to work for the approval of others. You already have my approval. Why would you do that? So it could be that, you know, God shows us we're living in fear. That we're living in all this anxiety of what could happen tomorrow. When Jesus says, I hold all of that in my hand. It could be that we're forgetting the authority that we have. That we live like we can't do anything about sickness or brokenness or or isolation like we can't address those things like we can't pray for the sick like like we can't um, like we don't have the authority um, to do the things that Jesus did in our lives or maybe it's that we're acting like orphans and we are working and striving and 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 living to try to uh, to please God because we think that you know like he doesn't love us enough or 
you know, we just have to work to earn his favor. But the truth is, God says, I already approve of you. I already love you. You're my son. You're my daughter in whom I am well pleased. So these are ways that, like, God starts to show us, like, hey, like, the way you're living doesn't add up to your identity. You're forgetting some of these things. You're not living the way that I've made you. And so here's the answer. The answer is not just do right. The answer is not just get it together and make the right decision, dang it, okay? The answer is we invite Jesus into those places of our lives, and we ask him to help us. If you go to the next slide. So here's the deal. We are powerless. Oh, did I forget a slide there? Dang. Okay, that's all right. You're not impressed. You you should not be impressed with anything technological around here. Okay, all right. um, So you can go back. Sorry, I'll just tell it to you, and you can write it down if you want. Okay, so so we invite Jesus into those places because we are powerless to change ourselves. Okay, we are like we we have no ability to make ourselves any better. So all we can do is just ask Jesus to come and to and to change us on the inside. This is where, you know, this message is for is for all of us. Okay, this morning I want to say this like um oh, there it is. Okay. So this message is for all of us. Um whether you have been in the faith for like 60 years, whether you have just started to follow Jesus or whether you haven't even made that decision yet. Here's the deal. You can't change yourself. You need Jesus to change you. And the gospel says, the gospel says that's why Jesus came. If we could change ourselves, if we could pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, then we could attain to the measure of the law in the Old Testament. But we couldn't do it. So we needed Jesus to come. We needed Jesus to die for us, uh, to live a perfect life and to die for us. And, And if you're on that side where I haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, and you're trying to live up to some standard or trying to get to somewhere, I'm sorry, but you can't get there. <laughs> you need Jesus first. Like, and then if you're a Christian who's trying to live into holiness, um, but you just can't seem to make it happen, we invite Jesus into that place, and we ask for his help. And then the Holy Spirit changes our desires, and he changes our purposes on the inside, and then the outflow of our actions changes and that, that's, that's how this thing works. It's not just do right. It's Jesus. It's Jesus changing us and Jesus getting us to the place. Now, here's the deal. I don't understand the mystery of this, but somehow we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So I've heard, you know, too often I hear folks who they know who they are. They've experienced Jesus, but they feel powerless to make the right choices in their lives. When things come, when, when the trial happens and the test happens and, and the choice, some, some folks feel overwhelmed and like they are unable to choose Jesus. Somehow there's this interaction and, and, and Peter is getting at it here. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Somehow we partner with the Holy Spirit in this process. We say... I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Like, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I need your help. Like, I can't do it by myself. And, and the, rest of the, the rest of the passage here, um, I'm, not, I'm actually, I, I'm not going to get into it. Um, 
But I think it paints a picture of the outflow of what happens as we give, um, as we live into our identity. Peter talks about us being um, a community of love, of prayer, of hospitality, of serving in the grace that God has given us, um, of living into the strength that God provides. And I think all of that is an outflow of of living into our identity. Um, but here's where I want um, to, to wrap us up with. And it's a, it's a picture of this that I think is helpful. It's been super foundational for us as, a, as, a, as leadership here, as a body. Um, but I haven't heard it talked about in a while. So I thought, hey, this is a good picture. And I would love for everybody to kind of get a glimpse of this. And I think it ties in. We learned um, several years ago about this thing called bounded sets versus centered sets, okay? Um, and uh, just curious, if you've heard us talk about bounded sets versus centered sets, raise your hand. Ooh. Okay, all right, all right. I'm just curious. Um, it's not like you've passed or failed or anything. Okay, <laughs> it's like we passed or failed. <laughs> it's probably our fault. Anyway, so here's the deal. So there's two ways to keep um, a pack of animals, okay? There, you can set up a fence, Okay, and you can you can cut, you can make a boundary. Okay, and say here is where the animals live, and I'm going to make this fence so that they can't get out. And so the animals are either in the fence or they are out of the fence. But I'm going to try to keep them in the fence. That's a bounded set. A centered set, on the other hand, is putting food at the middle of the area where you want the animals. I don't think this works with every animal, obviously, right? Because they can go get their food. But I guess with some cattle, this might work. You put food in the middle of the farm or wherever you want them to be, and they don't get too far away from the food because they need food to live, okay? So that is a centered set. You put something at the center. So when we learned this, it was in, con in the context of the church. You have an, as a church, you have an option. You can create a boundary and you can say who's in and who's out. You follow the rules, you're in. You do this, you're in. You do that, you're out. You don't follow the rules, you're over there, you're, you don't fit in with our crew, okay? So, or you can say, here's Jesus at the middle. We're just going to keep putting Jesus at the center and that's what keeps us together, so if you can, I hope you know which one we try to be. <laughs> so, so we want to put Jesus right here, and, 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 uh, and that's what draws us all together. Well, I want to say this in relation to this passage. This is what we're asking ourselves this morning. Have we made our lives a bounded set? where it's just about, we just have to do these things, just have to do this, just have to do this, and if we do it, then we're good, and if we don't do it, then we're not good? Or have we said in our life, look, I choose Jesus over everything else. I choose to put him right at the center. And, and look, I may be like this far away from Jesus right now, but I'm like, I'm like headed towards him. Or I may be like this with Jesus right now, and I may, but the point is, are we, is Jesus at the middle, at the center, and are we moving that direction, okay? So, like, that's the question this morning, and I think that is a question that, that Peter is asking. He's asking, the question is not, are you in or are you out? The question is, is Jesus at the center, 
And are you moving toward him? Um, and then just three follow-up questions. And this is, this is where I want to close. And I just let you dwell on this. And Steve, I think you're closing. You can step into this however you choose. But um, we, you know, we sang that song. Like, that was such a perfect song. Um, Purify my heart. Um, I want to burn for you. Um, I can't remember all the words. But just um, in this... As we face these tests of life, whether they are suffering from without or refining from Jesus, um, what is our choice? Are we choosing Jesus over what our flesh wants? Are we inviting Jesus into the places of our life where our actions don't match up to the truth of who we are in him? And do we see the Spirit's work on the deeper levels of who we are? Um, Do we see the Spirit changing our purposes and our desires? Because that's the stuff that our actions flow out of. It's got to go deeper than just the actions. It's got to go down into our desires and our purposes. So those are the questions I leave you with this morning. Um, And um, just thank you for our time.